Welcome to The Nest Podcast, a place where we have down-to-earth, uplifting conversations about women's health, healing, our inherent feminine wisdom, and the magic that happens when we decide to be the hero of our life and not the victim of it. Here we'll explore a wide range of topics from holistic nutrition, metabolic health and balancing your hormones, to mind-body medicine and how intuition, spirituality and consciousness are revolutionizing health and healing. In this episode, my sister Elise is back as co-host as we dive into the topics of cyclical living and energy management, and how recognizing our cyclical biological blueprint can have incredible influence on our health and well-being as women. Whether it's supporting hormonal balance, healing your adrenals, or maintaining a healthy weight or strong immune system, cyclical living can help. We talk about the different phases of the female menstrual cycle and how they differ in energy levels, output, and nutritional needs, as well as how to manage exercise and lifestyle in each phase. So sit back, open your heart and mind, and get ready for a dose of inspiration to motivate you on your healing journey. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. She's back. I'm back. (laughs) My sister Elise is back as my co-host for this episode. We are jumping in and talking about cyclical living and energy management. And the reason why I wanted her to join me, A, not only because she is amazing. amazing. (laughs) Uh, She's a woman. She is a mother of three young kids and I should say a menstruating woman, a woman. And, um, but also a trained midwife and has delivered hundreds of babies. And when it comes to having this discussion about energy management and, you know, just our menstrual cycles and how that, you know, plays into our energy and, you know, just this idea of cyclical living, I feel like you have a lot to offer for that conversation. Mm -hmm. So welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be back. To kick off the conversation, (laughs) let's just chat firstly about what cyclical living is yeah so even though I'm going to give the definition and go into it in great detail do you know what what do you think we're going to talk about Elise (laughs) like what does that mean to you when I say (sighs) well you know what I feel like a bad student here because you are always telling me and teaching me things on our multiple phone calls a day (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) I should have this all memorized by now but cyclical living is we all have all women we have our you know, our menstrual cycle. And during each phase in our cycle, you know, there's different hormones that play into it. And all those different effects on our body, it's, you know, affects our energy. And, you know, just everything, our energy, like our sleep, everything in our life. So basically learning to live with that. So basically slow down at certain parts of your cycle. And maybe you'll be more energized at other parts of your cycle. So when you can tackle those big chores that you have waiting for you, that kind of thing. Yes, it's that idea. So the idea is that we are cyclical beings, regardless of if you're a menstruating woman or not, we're just like we're like men and women, like we are all cyclical. Um, In fact, everything is cyclical. Like if you look at nature, you know, mother nature, we have these cycles we have winter and spring and summer and fall even living here in this environment like I live in a tropical environment in the Caribbean and even though it's quote-unquote summer all the time we still have I I find that we still have our seasons they're not as defined as they are for people who live 
you know, much further up in the Northern hemisphere or, or really far down South in the Southern hemisphere where you have, you know, snow and, yeah. and a real like, you know, definitive, um, you know, movement through the seasons. However, mm-hmm. there's, right. We still have winter. We still have um, spring and summer and fall. And then also there's, you know, the movement through the month, you know, with the moon and the sun with a 24 hour cycle. And so there's this idea that, you know, everything is cyclical and that is actually the science of chronobiology. So our cycles, there's so many different, actually there's, there's many cycles, but the two that we're going to focus on in this discussion is the circadian rhythm and the infradian rhythm. And so Mm -hmm. with the circadian rhythm, because most people will be familiar with that, it's basically the cycle, a 24 hour cycle that is governed by the sun. And, you know, obviously the sun comes up and the sun goes down and that's, that's the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. But how like the, but basically that cycle is dominated, you know, by sunlight and how that sunlight then interacts and affects biological beings. Right. And not just, you know, plants are not just like animals and humans, but also plants. And like, there's just, it's, it it affects everything. Even like there'll be changes in atmospheric pressure, right? When the sun is up versus when the sun is down, like it, it affects so much. So there's a 24 hour cycle and, you know, the sun affects our biology, uh, and a great deal, you know, not just with how we produce like vitamin C and or vitamin D, sorry, and things like that, but it's, our cortisol, which is our stress hormone, that's, you know, what it's known for the most, but we have a natural cortisol curve. And when the sun rises, our cortisol curve will begin to rise. And Mm -hmm. so it kind of mimics the sun, our cortisol curve. And so as the sun goes down, cortisol will start to come down. Now it doesn't look like just one big arch. It actually has, it rises in the morning, comes down, a little bit like, you know, mid afternoon when most people get that afternoon, like, you know, lower energy. Yeah. And then it goes up a little bit for kind of a second wind early evening. And then it steadily decreases or it's supposed to, you know, at night yeah. and then melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. That is what gently, you know, begins to rise as the sun goes down. And then it dominates the evening, the night when cortisol is at its lowest, melatonin is at its highest, and then they kind of trade places. So melatonin comes down slowly and cortisol would begin to come up. And so this idea of a 24 hour circadian rhythm that's governed by, you know, the, the cycle of the sun, like day and night is so important. Um, and I mean, Emily, my friend, Emily, Dr. Emily Lipinski, and I talk about this in our hormonal, like we did a podcast on balancing your hormones. And we talk a little bit about this too. And I go into it in great detail in the nest and a masterclass that mm-hmm. I did there, but this whole thing of like, you know, what shift work and, or, you know, like how people are on their computers, like <laughs> so late into the night and getting yeah, all this yeah. exposed to all this blue light that affects our, our hormones, like, you know, cortisol and melatonin and all of that. So basically this podcast is not just about the 24 hour cycle, but I just wanted to point that out with the circadian rhythm, because I feel like that's the one that people know are, are most familiar with. 
familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. The one that I want to spend more time on is the infradian rhythm. And so, yeah, circadian rhythm is governed by the sun. Infradian rhythm is governed by the moon. And so sun is masculine. Mm -hmm. The moon is feminine. And so you have a very masculine 24 hour cycle and that's like, you know, dominated by the sun. And that's kind of what people have focused on the most, but a lot of people have no idea about the infradian rhythm. And so the infradian rhythm is, you know, 28 to 29 days long. It's governed by the moon. It's basically the lunar cycle. Right. And again, this isn't like woo woo crazy stuff. Like it's legit science. (laughs) Like you can see it just with, right. And, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I notice it because I have a, a canal outside of my, like I have ocean water right outside my door yeah. and, you know, watching the tide go up and down. And I notice that, yes, that happens daily, but when the moon is full as it just was, the tides are even fuller, right? Yes. Yeah. New moon, same thing. Like it's, there's, you know, these different times of the month. So you have a full moon, you have a new moon, a waning moon, a waxing moon, and it affects biological beings plants Mm -hmm. animals now what i find fascinating is as women we so we have within us yes we have the 24 hour like that mimicking of a circadian rhythm with Mm -hmm. and melatonin and how that plays out and how our bodies are affected by sunlight but we also have within us within our like women who menstruate we have an infradian rhythm as well you know, it's yeah. this, it's our menstrual cycles. Right. And when yeah. I say menstrual, yeah. not just but when you menstruate, like when you, you know, have your period, I'm talking about the full 28 to 29. Full cycle. Yeah. However long it is yeah. for you. The average is 28 days women. Yeah. But again, it's this idea of like mirroring nature in our bodies. There's mm-hmm. a quote, Christine Northrup that I really wanted to read. I'm just going to read it here. The menstrual cycle is the most basic earthy cycle we have and is our connection to the archetypical female. The macrocosmic cycles of nature, the waxing and waning of the moon, the ebb and flow of the tides, the changes of the seasons are reflected on a smaller scale in the menstrual cycle of the individual female body. In many cultures, the menstrual cycle has been viewed as a sacred source of insight and renewal replacing the harmful inherited myths about our menstrual cycles with accurate information is part of a woman's healing. There's this, it is a good quote. And there's a lot in there that we can like pull out and talk about, but one of the reasons why I think this is such an important subject to discuss is because I feel like because of our go, 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 very like young male like this masculine, like go, go, go the way that we live our modern day life. We've lost touch with this natural ebb and flow with our menstrual cycles. And when I'm talking about cyclical living, I'm talking about learning to live in that flow, in that cyclical, uh, like adopting that cyclical nature. And because each part of our menstrual cycles has different characteristics, it has a different energy. It has, you know, different hormones that are dominating or, you know, it's this beautiful orchestra of hormones throughout the whole cycle, our nutritional needs, 
our mood, everything. Like it's, it's recognizing that there's an ebb and flow to that. And we're not constant. Like it's not constant. It's not the same throughout the four different parts of our cycle. And so, you know, and it's recognizing that these four hormonal phases of our menstrual cycle are a blueprint for how to organize our lives. And if we, you know, acknowledge that and choose to live in sync with that, how that then, you know, helps us balance our hormones, how it helps mm-hmm. us with our mood, how, you know, it helps us get pregnant. It helps us, you know, like all of these things, it's just, you know, connecting us again to nature and helping us embody like be in our bodies, basically. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So we can choose to then live in sync with these natural biorhythms, which then foster health and well-being, or we can choose to go against them. And our modern, like the way that we live our lives and our modern culture, our modern society, it's very much geared towards a more masculine way um, like of living, right? Mm-hmm. The go versus this idea of tuning in and listening to our bodies and where we're at in our cycle and living accordingly in all of, you know, just in, in marketing, you know, and well, you can see, I feel like it's very Western. The Western way of living is very much that way versus like other cultures. I feel like respect women and their cycles and all of that way more. Well, that's how I came to know about cyclical living to begin with is through Chinese medicine, actually even how they see menstruation, they refer to it as heavenly water. Like that alone, like that concept of menstruation being heavenly water versus just take some Advil and, you know, pop in a tampon and jump on your bike in your white jeans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not even having it. I actually, is it, am I correct? I haven't seen I barely watch live television anymore. So I haven't seen commercials, I feel like in forever, but I remember like, it's like a Tampax com- or tampon commercial or something where, mm-hmm. you know, it's like pretend your period doesn't even happen sort of like mentality. Yeah. You know what? I don't even watch TV anymore either, but it's something like that. And it's just, you know, they show you swimming, wearing like a little bikini and all this stuff or like white shorts. And like you said, jump on a bicycle and who wants yeah. to do that when they're menstruating? <laughs> I mean, maybe some women do, and that's cool. Power to you. But I think you, the point I'm trying to make is we've been almost conditioned to believe we should pretend that it's not happening. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's still as much as we've moved ahead or come, I guess, forward in, you know, the feminine feminist movement of honoring our femininity. <laughs> there's still this like undercurrent of like shame surrounding menstruation well it's like even men in our culture they just can't even most of them can't even talk about it just like it's so embarrassing and shameful yeah and it shouldn't be right because it's like (laughs) it's such a natural part of our lives and um yeah how do they think they got here (laughs) you know like their mother's menstrual cycle uh it's so frustrating but I feel like this idea of living in sync with our cycles, like it is not, it's not nouveau, right? It may be to Mm -hmm. us culture, but this is other cultures have been doing for millennia. So it's more, I think a wisdom that's returning and almost a response to this like male dominated, like this more patriarchal way of living this go, go, go. And 
when we do that, we're not respecting or recognizing that women have different needs at different parts of their cycle. And mm-hmm. also this like really masculine way of living again, just like, you know, your schedule is super busy and you're driving yourself into the ground. Like it's a going to lead to burnout and hormonal imbalance. Mm-hmm. It's just so out of whack, you know, like it's just so out of balance. And so when we can return to the wisdom of our bodies and acknowledge the feminine, acknowledge this infradian rhythm within us, I think it just, it fosters so much health and well-being. So whether that's hormonal balance or your mood, immunity, all of the things, right? And I think also one of the biggest things too, is it helps us end this stress cycle, right? Like that perpetual go, go, go. And it helps us shift into a more parasympathetic state. And it's only in that parasympathetic state that healing can occur, right? Yeah. If you're stressed out all the time, your body's not going to have resources to heal. Yeah. Another thing that I think cyclical living does is it helps us rebuild a relationship with our bodies because one of the primary tenets of cyclical living is tuning in and listening to your bodies. And I feel like that's something again, that, you know, many women I find like in my practice, but also in the nest and, you know, just friends, like we've, a lot of us have been conditioned again, just to focus on outside, (laughs) like outside Mm -hmm. of us voices and and everything and so this idea of turning our attention inward and listening to our bodies and listening to our needs and this is mm-hmm. where I like the energy management like my energy everyone's energy like all women like our energy fluctuates with different yeah. cycle, yeah. right like the beginning of your cycle okay so you start with the follicular phase and that is around seven to 10 days for most women on average, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is the part of the cycle where, I mean, it's called follicular phase because that is when a follicle, like follicles are being stimulated in your ovaries. Yeah. They're maturing. Yeah. And they, it will lead to you ovulating, right? So you have in your ovaries, all these little eggs, all these little like follicles, and they're being stimulated by follicle stimulating hormone. And you also have estrogen, Um, It's the key player of the follicular phase and you have testosterone will begin to rise in women. And in this phase, like the follicular phase is kind of like spring, right? Where you've just menstruated and you've shed your old lining. Yep. And so now fertile grounds are being put in place basically, right? Your new lining is growing. That's exactly it. You have a new lining and that's like, you know, estrogen facilitates that this like growth of a new lining, uh, in the uterus. And it's kind of like, so if you think of the energy of spring, it's like new beginnings, right? Yeah. So it's a great, like energetically, you feel like you you feel more revitalized, like spring cleaning, you know, you have the energy to clean out your house. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you want to plan and like all of these things. Like I was part of, um, a group of women in this mastermind and it was all about using this model of, you know, our menstrual cycles to help us with our business. And there are different parts of your cycle where, you know, you can do different tasks. Like, so yeah, there's this idea that at different parts of your cycle, different activities are more suited for that type of like at that time of your cycle. So for example, at the follicular phase, like planning and brainstorming and 
you know, beginning new tasks or trying new things like with your workouts, like, you know, trying something new, taking a a new dance class or trying a new yoga Mm -hmm. class, all of that. So there's, you know, different activities that can, that are more, you know, attuned to different types of your cycle, Mm -hmm. but also foods. So, you know, in the nest, we have a whole meal plan of there's types of food because our body needs different nourishment at different types of our cycle. And so, yeah, there's like a whole meal plan of like, here's the list of follicular foods. And again, it's because your body's going to need certain nutrients, certain minerals and vitamins. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like in the follicular phase where the estrogen is rising, you're going to want to have more foods that are going to help your liver detoxify any excess estrogen, like things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's the, the lifestyle focus of different activities that are more suited for different parts of your cycle. Then there's a food focus of like, here's some different foods you know, there's the different interplay of, of hormones that are specific to that part of your cycle, like, you know, follicle stimulating hormone, estrogen, and how those are going to play out in your body, giving you more energy cart, like, and then it even gets into like exercise, like at different parts of your cycle, there's different types of exercise that are more suited. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in the follicular phase, it's more cardio, right? Not a big fan of hard, like doing huge (laughs) things. or whatever on the elliptical necessarily, but you're going to have a different tolerance to different types of exercise at different parts of your cycle. If you are into more endurance type or doing more cardio, you know, this is the time in your cycle where you're going to feel that that comes easier to you, right? Mm -hmm. In your luteal phase, which we'll talk about in a minute, where I've had so many people talk to me in, you know, patient appointments and say, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, you know, I'll start out so good at the beginning of my menstrual cycle, or beginning of the month or whatever, and I'll be sticking to my exercise program. And then, you know, towards the end of the month, I just fall off the wagon because I don't have the yeah. energy that spin class. Yeah. So you're not necessarily designed to, right? Because our energy yeah. ebbs and flows. So yeah, so just this idea that at different points of your cycle, your energy is different, your metabolic, like your, your metabolism is different. So that's the follicular phase. So the next you have the ovulatory phase. And the ovulatory phase is quite short. You know, it's like three to four days, maybe five days for most women. Mm-hmm. And like, this is the period of time where you, you can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Another yeah. thing, actually, just an aside, before we go into the details of the ovulatory phase, I want to say too, that this idea of getting to know your cycle and the different parts, like phases of the cycle, is also amazing for fertility awareness because oh, most, yeah. I'm, I'm always shocked when you know, when women find out for the first time that they can't get pregnant, like throughout most of their cycle, I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's a small amount. It's a very small window for most and women. people don't even know they're not educated. They don't know what to look for to know when they should be ovulating. Right. Yeah. Or like, what, I mean, what signs, like what's showing that they're ovulating. Yeah, your signs, like physical signs, you know, like for example, like vaginal discharge, some women actually have bloating and cramps for like a day or so during ovulation. Some women, like I could with one of the times I got pregnant, I felt myself ovulate, you know, like you feel that twinge. So, I mean, some people are just not in tune with what's going on in their body. Yeah. They haven't been taught. And so this idea of, you know, okay, so ovulation, this ovulatory phase, this is like summer, (laughs) You are, yeah. oh yeah, I should say like with the follicular phase, like with spring, like the energy is starting to like rise. You're starting to feel like you, yeah, you have more energy, etc. But it's also, 
it's kind of like the waxing moon where the moon is like, it's just, you've just had new moon and the waxing moon is like the moon is getting bigger and it leads to like the full moon. And that's like ovulation. Mm -hmm. Ovulation is like the full moon. It's like full moon, full, full bloom. This is when your energy is the highest. This is when you're, you're most social. You're like, you're actually the most loquacious and like you can express yourself uh, more clearly. It's like your energy is so outward. And I feel mm-hmm. like this is where at women want to stay all the time. <laughs> this is like, yeah. this is like, you know, it sets the bar and then we just chase the ovulatory phase and energy, like our whole cycles. Yeah. And we beat ourselves up or not everybody, but I know people who do, who have, I know I have at certain times before I knew this and before I mm-hmm. really started living this way, I used to feel like something was wrong with me if I didn't have that same level of output and energy all cycle long. The whole cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like summer, right? Where you're just like, oh, I'm here world, like full moon. Yeah. Here I'm here. Yeah. And so, yeah. You have this like sharp increase in energy and the follicle has been released uh, from one of the ovaries. You're, mm-hmm. you know, pregnant during this time uh, if you have ovulated that month, because not, you know, not every cycle we release an egg, especially as you get older, that decreases. But However, you know, there's changes in our bodies. We, you know, we actually, our pheromones are like just pumping at this time. So this is when you're the highest, you're, you're the most interested in sex. That's the other thing too, is like with libido, I feel like women put this pressure on themselves to, you know, if they don't have to have sex all the time, they should have this libido. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there's just this expectation that you're supposed to like drop it. Like it's hot, like the whole cycle. (laughs) You just can't. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say can't. It's that our interest in sex, like our libido, there is an ebb. It changes. Yeah. And again, like that's okay. If you are someone that is like amazing all the time, you go, girl. (laughs) But for most women, on average, they are more interested in sex during this part of their cycle. And and then, you know, when the egg dies and they don't conceive. And they move into their luteal phase, which we'll talk about in a minute. They're like, get away from me. And yeah. that's, that's you listening to this. You're normal. It's okay. Yeah. You know, the interest, our interest in sex, our libido fluctuates naturally. I think mm-hmm. it's a different story if you have no libido and, you know, like you're just not into it at all. That's when you know there's a hormonal imbalance, but mm-hmm. there is a ebb and flow to our interest in sex. Yeah. Like, just think about that for a second. Of course there is, because of course you're going to be more interested in sex when there's an egg waiting to be like fertilized. Exactly. I mean, that's mother nature right there trying to keep the human species alive. Exactly. Right. And the, and then also if your pheromones are pumping, like your partner is going to be like, hello, more attracted to you. Exactly. One thing I want to say about pheromones, just because it popped into my head is this idea of a lot of women don't know too, that the, like the pill changes your pheromones and changes mm-hmm. like your attraction to, mm-hmm. to, well, I was going to say to the opposite sex, but whatever, like to whoever that alters it. Right. And so I think like yeah. when we are not taking the pill, they're more again, in sync to their, like their pheromones uh, are going to be more potent and they're going to be picking up on the pheromones of a better genetic match because yeah. the pill is not blunting that. That's something yeah. that, People don't know that it, it blunts that. 
But okay, back to ovulatory phase characteristics. So yes, energy is higher. You're, you know, this is when, if you think about working out and what you can do, this is when, this is when like the high intensity interval training, the spin classes, you're going to have your, like, you're going to be able to lift more at the gym. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like, this is like the phase. That optimal we, time. Yeah, it's the optimal time for energy, for socializing. Like you're your most extroverted, all of that. You're also your most attractive. Again, this goes back mm-hmm. to like biological, you know, just trying to attract the mate. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's happening then in the body, of course, you're releasing the egg. You're going to have a surge of energy with that. And the surge of hormones, your, your peak fertility, estrogen, testosterone are high. And that those are the hormones that dominate this part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. And then with food, again, there are different types of foods. They're lighter foods. Like, what do you want to eat in the summer? Like, think about that again. It's like lighter foods. This is when you have a greater capacity to eat healthier. Well, I was going to say raw foods. You can tolerate Mm -hmm. raw right at this time. Because again, like I remember like in Chinese medicine, they talk a lot about like when it's hot outside, you eat cold foods. If it's cold Mm -hmm. outside, hot foods. (laughs) So I think like I apply that to this idea of like, you know, the ovulatory phase, obviously if you live in Northern Canada or just in Canada, <laughs> Canada in general, or somewhere where the your winters are very cold, yeah. you may do this a little bit. Cause I think co- cold food in the winter can be really yeah. hard for the system. But like, again, I'm talking generalities. This is the time of, of this menstrual cycle where you're going to be able to tolerate raw foods better. And again, just like focusing on foods that are helping the body metabolize and eliminate excess estrogen and all that sort of stuff. So like fiber and, you know, your cruciferous vegetables, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then you move into the luteal phase, which is usually between 10 to 14 days. It's kind of the longest phase for most Mm -hmm. women. And so, you know, the follicle has just, it didn't get fertilized. The egg didn't get fertilized. It's It's like fall. Yes. But the corpus luteum, which is basically like what surrounds the egg yeah, after yeah. birth, that then produces progesterone. You know, estrogen is still part of the picture, but progesterone is really the hormone that dominates this part of the cycle. And I think of the luteal phase like fall. And what do you want to do when the weather begins to get cold outside? Think of fall. What do we want to do with the fall? We want to we get want cozy. Cozy, yeah. You want to put sweaters, cut all the blankets, put on a fire. Yep. Have a fire, (laughs) put up, like get a cup of tea. I don't want to talk to anybody, (laughs) (laughs) but it's this idea of like, have this peak with summer, right? The energy is it's, it's outmost. And then all of a sudden with fall, you feel the energy start to like pull inwards. Yeah. And so if you were to divide the menstrual cycle into two halves, the first half follicular phase and ovulatory phase are really about more extroverted energy, greater output, all of that. And then with the last half of the cycle with the luteal phase moving into menstruation, it's really the energy is inward. It's moving inward with the luteal phase. And so, you know, this is also when you're going to have your sugar cravings, And the reason why sugar cravings, there's different types of cravings in in this cycle or part of the cycle, but often it's connected to what the body's asking for. So whether that's greater B, 
vitamins, whether it's magnesium, like that's like a lot of chocolate cravings can be tied to that. Yeah, a lot of yeah. women will have carb cravings and that's because our metabolic needs actually go up in this part of our cycle. Like we actually need more carbs. So people who, who cut carbs completely out, they're going to crave it like crazy. This part of the cycle, I've seen that. So, and that's just natural. That's like what the, the body's just asking for more because the energetic demands have gone up, but yeah, like there's a lot here with food in this part. Like, yes, you're going to crave more complex carbs. You're also going to crave more meat or more protein because the body's wanting to build up iron stores and minerals and preparation for menstruation. But it's again, this idea of like fall. And so with lifestyle, it's more like you want to, you know, read a good book. You want to take a bath, you slow down the social calendar. You like when it comes to working out, like, and everything really like your energy output just isn't the same. And so this is again, like I commented on this before, but this is again, like where some women will beat themselves up and think what's wrong with me that I'm not. All of a sudden my energy is dropped. Yeah. Like what's wrong with me that I can't, like, I'm not uh, like I'm exhausted after that spin class. Right. Versus last week when I rocked. Yeah. Like I was feeling so lethargic during my workout. I feel like I couldn't complete it. Yeah. And so What's interesting is with the luteal phase, especially if yours lasts about two weeks, you'll notice like the, even the two weeks of the luteal phase can be slightly different. Like, um, I'm actually in the first week of mine right now. (laughs) And last week I was in ovulatory phase. So when I was lifting weights last week, I was going for it with the weight and just feeling so good, feeling so powerful. And then I can, I know when I ovulate, I can feel it in my body And then I know, okay, so now I have about a week where that energy will just slowly start to come down. And then, so the first week of my luteal phase, I can still go for it, but not to the same amount, like not the same intensity that I have with ovulatory phase, but I'm still like, I'm just slowly tapering off the intensity of my workouts. And then that week before my period arrives, like my second week of my luteal phase, I'm much more gentle. Mm-hmm. I'm really dialing in and listening to my body, respecting where I'm at with my energy. And I'm still like, I still lift weights at that time. I may still like do a little bit of, uh, I don't actually do any hit workouts or anything like that just right now in general, just cause I'm in a healing phase, but, but I wouldn't do them at that phase. Anyways, it's more restorative, like walking yoga, yeah. like just gentle yoga, just more- low impact type things. Yeah. Low and lower impact, more restorative focus with the, with the energy. And then, yeah, with the lifestyle stuff, it's really just slowing things down, paying attention to my self-care, like even Mm -hmm. more intensely. Like, you know, I mean, a lot of women will experience PMS like premenstrual syndrome or, you know, and that there's a wide range of symptoms for that, that people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, can experience. But I think the more we dial into where we're at in our cycles and, you know, the different phases and, you know, really focus on our self-care and what we need and our nourishment, our rest, like all of that at different times, the premenstrual symptoms, excuse me, premenstrual symptoms will actually be helped so, so much. And the yeah, more yeah. you for yourself, the more you nurture yourself, especially in this phase, it eases those symptoms. Mm-hmm. PMS symptoms are a sign. It gets a message from the body saying that there's a hormonal imbalance. Hey, you need something up here. 
so this whole idea of, you know, it's like fall, everything kind of like slows a little bit, the energy goes inward and then you adjust your diet. Again, you're starting to bring in more like warmer foods, like your soups, your stews, like that sort of stuff, the hot tea, your activity, lifestyle stuff changes, exercise changes, all of that. And then you get into the menstrual phase, which again, that can last, it's different duration for different women, but like, you know, three to seven days on average. And here, you know, progesterone, the decline of progesterone is actually what triggers the menstrual bleeding and uh, the shedding of the lining. And, you know, this is kind of like, it, it well, it's like winter, right? Yeah. Where your hormones are at their lowest level. All the hormones are at a low level at this point. And you will have you like you may experience different symptoms with your menstrual cycle again we're not meant to have painful periods maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of pain and discomfort but if you have really painful periods that's a sign that there's something off like a hormonal imbalance yeah. inflammation in the body different things I, I feel like it's just like this natural part of the cycle where we're meant to rest we're meant to yeah. be like go inward. Our energy is really inward. Like I try not to plan any social things during this time. I, even it's if like I can't, hibernation, you know, exactly. it's like hibernation. It's this idea of like curling up for winter. Yeah. And restorative, like restoring our body. So this is when we really want to focus on like minerals. Like, um, if you look at the cyclical way of eating, like for your cycle, like this is where like seafood and kelp and seaweed and like all of these things, mm-hmm beef liver, like they're so important at this time of our menstrual cycle. Uh, I take beef liver and I actually take beef organs in capsule form. And I I double up at this time of my cycle because I know, you know, I'm menstruating, I'm losing blood. I'm, I need to replenish that. Yeah. It's again, this idea of like really warming foods. If you are someone who feels like exercising during this time, depending on how you are like with your menstrual cycle, I suggest like, this is like, you know, walking again, gentle yoga, more restorative things. I think that when, like, I've heard some patients tell me that they feel their best when they like, like working out will actually help with their menstrual cramps. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that that's a blow, blood flow thing. Like if they have any stagnation, um, that movement may help. However, I would just be really selective with your movement again, tuning in and listening to your body. Cause if you're overexerting yourself at this time, I, I just feel like it leads to depletion. Yeah. But yeah. And with lifestyle focus at this time, I think it's more, again, that energy is inward. And this is when you are your most intuitive, different cultures, I, when women are menstruating, they would actually like leave the village. They would go to a separate hut or they would go to a different part of the village and mm-hmm. they would are together. And women were often consulted as, you know, the seers or the wise ones in the village, at, especially at this time, because it's kind of like we straddle the two worlds. Like we, we have yeah. this really amazing intuitive ability just in general as women, but especially at this time of our cycles, we're more introspective. This is when I like to do a lot of journaling and a lot of thinking about my life and where is it that I want to go and what is it that I want to shift and change and where do I want to make those changes? I think um, there's something really special about this time of our menstrual cycles. And again, like if you think about that in comparison to how it's been, you know, talked about in, 
the media or whatever, or like, you know, just this cultural narrative that's so different, right? Like this introspective, really spiritual, beautiful time of rest versus just pretend it doesn't happen. Take a painkiller and get on with it. (laughs) Yeah. Just polar opposites. So I think there's something to be said for reclaiming this natural rhythm. I think it helps us heal a relationship with our bodies, with our lives, like this, you know, the go, go, go. And it really, you know, the overall arching theme, aside from how we care for ourselves, is this energy management and looking at like, what is my energy like at different parts of my cycle and, you know, what activities how can I then like tailor my life to really be in sync with my body? Yeah. So when it comes to energy management, I mean, again, it's a whole other topic on its own, but I do think it's, you know, there's this big overlap with cyclical living because our energy fluctuates throughout our cycle. And if you are someone who has a hormonal imbalance, especially if it's like progesterone or whatever, you're definitely going to feel that drop in energy. For some women, it may be more subtle, but regardless, if you're someone who has a hormonal imbalance or not, there's still (laughs) this like ebb and flow of energy. Mm -hmm. And I think a big thing that plays into this is, and this is where we can get into the discussion of what it's like to be a mom or, you know, whatever. And then trying to live this way is there's always these external sources, whether it's friends, family, like what our jobs that are going to expect like this output from us. And so I have found a way for me to successfully be able to live this way is my husband and my son just know, like there's, I I have to just explain it. And then there's just an ebb and flow then to our family life. And it Mm -hmm. kind of revolve around like my needs in some ways, because I'm the one making the food and I'm the one like, you know, organizing the social calendar and like all of these things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying it's like the whole family revolves around me. I'm just saying most women are the ones that are doing the planning and the cooking and like all of these things. And if we do have this like blueprint, this natural ebb and flow of our energy, we have to plan for that. Yeah, we then need to adjust our lives around that or, you know, at least incorporate it. So, I mean, for example, a small example would be we're talking about like cyclic eating well then so you're probably going to follow that and what you make your family for supper you know what I mean yeah exactly so and also I don't think it's a bad thing at all for Odin like my son he knows what this is all about right like yeah oh, okay mommy's in this phase of her cycle I mean the only psych- phase of my cycle that they actually probably know about is when I'm menstruating <laughs> because I don't cook I've cooked yeah. I've backed, uh, things ahead of time and um, they'll probably like Mark knows it's coming. You know, we may be eating a little bit more steak than normal. <laughs> or yeah. uh, to be honest, what I usually do is I make a leg of lamb because it will last so long. And so they know like, oh, here comes the lamb. Mom's oh. <laughs> going down for a week. <laughs> so, but no, I like I batch cook. And so they're fed and they're nourished. But also I'm batch cooking things that I know are nourishing me during that time of my cycle. Yeah. And also with our social engagements and stuff, like I plan it all around it. So, yeah. I mean, this sounds excessive to people, but I swear it makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And I know myself and I know at that time of my cycle, you're not going to get the best version of me necessarily, right? Like yeah. and best version of me is uh, you're not going to get the most 
extroverted, high energy part. Yeah, you just don't have the energy in every single way to give to people the physical energy, the mental energy, the emotional energy. Do you know what I mean? And you know what? I'm going to take that back. I shouldn't declare that as the the best version of me because they're all versions of me are just fine. But I mean, like the extroverted version, you're not going to get that time of my cycle for for many of us women. So yeah, like I just know I'm going to want to watch a movie and have Mm -hmm. some popcorn and have a bath or do whatever instead. And even with my patient visit, I just try and especially on day one and day two of my cycle, I just try not to see anybody on those two days. And it's really so that I can rest and, and do what I need to do. Yeah. I don't know. Those are just some of the ways. I think the biggest thing for me is the food and the exercise. And then when it comes to social commitments and just really being aware of my energy and how much I have, uh, especially because I've had to deal with Epstein-Barr over the last little while. And um, that really just tanked my energy having chronic Epstein-Barr. Mm-hmm. Talk about that on another episode, but it's this idea, like it, it really made me focus on energy management because I had so little energy. I had like this yeah. chronic I was battling. So when you have so little of something, you really have to budget it accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> heightened, like a heightened awareness around it. But yeah, it's this idea of planning my business, planning my workouts, planning all of it around my cycle. And I have found it has made a tremendous difference. What about you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think like you mentioned earlier, I'm actually postpartum one year postpartum. So I don't actually have my menstrual cycle back yet, like you know, but there is an ebb and flow to our day where I feel like we try or I try to respect when I have the most energy. And so we try or I try to plan, you know, when to do grocery shopping, when we can do things that require my most energy, like the cleaning of the house, that kind of thing. I try to do that all in the morning. And then, you know, as our energy kind of goes down throughout the day. That's when, you know, Ellie's napping in the afternoon, the boys might have some screen time, that kind of thing. So kind of winds down. So, I mean, it doesn't look quite like it would if I was menstruating, but it's something similar to, you know, like you said, respect those energy levels. Yeah. So you may be someone who's, well, like you, you're postpartum. And so you're not Mm -hmm. menstruating right now, but there's also, you know, women who've had hysterectomies or Maybe they're just not menstruating for other reasons right now. Like they have amenorrhea for whatever reason, like PCOS or whatever. And so if this idea of wanting to live cyclically, again, there's like a 24 hour cycle, like you were just saying, where there's a natural ebb and flow to our energy and our needs throughout the day. And then there's, you know, that's also happening, you know, with the lunar cycle uh, or this infradian rhythm, you know, and for those of us who are menstruating, that's the blueprint. But if yeah. you're someone who's not menstruating and you're like, okay, well, this sounds great. And, you know, like, well, A, does it still affect me if I'm not menstruating? Yes. If you are a biological being, <laughs> which you are listening, if you're listening to this, um, you know, the moon has an effect on all of us. Right. So, and sometimes our cycles are in sync with the moon. I, I think the less artificial light we are exposed to and the more we're outside, the more our bodies actually get in sync with the moon. Like right now I'm in sync with the moon. That's great. I know that just naturally, because my cycle is just a tiny bit longer than the lunar cycle, 
it just kind of like goes where eventually it won't be, but yeah. I'll be the opposite. And then, mm-hmm. then it'll move slowly back. And then I am in sync again. And that's totally cool and normal. Some women are always in sync. Some women are always opposite. Like don't necessarily get caught up in those details, but it's this idea of if you're not menstruating, you can just attune to the lunar cycle. And again, cause it's having an effect on all biological beings. So um, if you're someone who's not menstruating, you can just look at the lunar cycle because it follows because <laughs> it has that same energy, right? Again, it's like our menstrual cycles are like the little moon inside of us, right? So looking yeah. at the waxing moon, the waning moon, the full moon, the new moon, and the energies of that. I go into this in greater detail. I have a blog post, like a two-part blog post, um, like two, yeah. two wrote about this. But also I go into it in huge detail in the nest. So if you're someone listening to this and you're interested, check out, I can put actually the link to the blogs, um, those two blog posts in the show notes. So you can read more about it. But also this is like, we talk about it in great detail. There's a whole masterclass about it. And then there's a whole masterclass just about cyclical eating within the nest. Mm-hmm. So there's also the link for that too. You can check it out, but yeah. So it's a big subject. There's definitely more to say and like so many details that you can go into. So in summary, then cyclical living is, you know, honoring this biological blueprint that we have as women, as menstruating, Mm -hmm. but also just, you know, as biological beings and how the moon and the sun affect us. Um, And, you know, it, it is a lifestyle and by adopting it and, you know, it, it's, there's so many benefits to it, whether it's, whether it's immunity, we have, we have a baby. Yeah, we have a new guest, everybody. You know, there's so many benefits, whether it's, you know, hormonal balance, whether it's immunity, less stress, better energy, improved libido, improved mood, you know, living this way, you are in sync with your endocrine system and you're supporting it but not just your endocrine system, your digestive system, you know, like just everything. So I think it's really magical. So if you are someone who wants to know more about this, please reach out. You can get in touch with me on Instagram. You can send me a message. Like I said, there's blog posts that I've written about it that I'll link below in the show notes. But also we go into this in great detail in the nest. I hope that the people who listen to this, you know, they educate themselves. They take you up on your blog post or even better your course, because I think that, like you said, it's a lifestyle choice. And I think women really need to educate themselves on this because it's so sad that we've lost all of this knowledge. Yeah, that's it. We're reclaiming the knowledge, right? We're in many ways... what it means to be female healing this relationship with our bodies and coming back to nature so yeah exactly it's it's beautiful well thank you for joining me as my co-host again you're welcome it was it was an honor to be here and now at least joined us at the end she's saying come on guys that's it yeah we've had a baby wake up during (laughs) during the process of recording this thank you so much to everyone listening Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Nest Podcast. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at DrMariskaTaylorND, as well as visit my website at DrMariskaTaylor.com. 
And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you again next time.